afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Run It Back. I am your wonderful host, Jasmine Halliburton, and joined by another wonderful individual, Sophie Dilly here, and we got Jacob here working the knobs for us. Thank you guys for coming in, and thank you guys for listening out there in Texas and Kansas and wherever the heck y'all from. We appreciate it. But Sophie, how are you doing on this Monday? And Monday where another game did not go the cat's way in men's basketball. Just just tell me how you're feeling. Because are you like us? Were we all disappointed to where things were looking kind of great? This could be a game that we could win. And then we just ended up losing 79-82 to in overtime to Oklahoma State. Just please tell me. what is Because I think you have a hot take that you want to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am so excited to be here, guys. Um, yeah, we're, we're here on a Monday talking some sports. Um, Saturday was super disappointing, but yes, I have a little bit of a hot take. Um, so yeah, we'll discuss that here. Give it so, to us. Okay, yeah. So uh, my biggest hot take from Saturday's game was that Marquise Noel is our best overall rounded basketball player on this team. I know I got a lot of Nigel Pack fans out there, Mark Smith. I'm a Mark Smith girl, so it it hurts to say, but I think Marquise Noel is our most well-rounded player on this team. He can dribble. He can shoot from the dribble. I know Mark Smith is a great shooter, but he has to be past the ball. He can't shoot off the dribble. Marquise Noel can do both. We see the assists. He has great looks. Um, his defense is rock solid, and he's just a competitor, and I would say he is one of the players that has really developed throughout the season and turned this K-State basketball team around. So I'm excited to see what he does at the end of the season. And yeah, I think we should all be excited about him. Honestly, I cannot say that I disagree with you because even like we all can really tell if we're really like, you know, paying attention to like what we're looking at. Nigel Pack does his best when he's not necessarily at the point. He's more his best when he's at shooting guard, when he's not necessarily, you know, taking control of the offense we know that he can do it but if we want to put ourselves in a better position even though there hasn't been a lot of good positions for us to be in this this season Marquise Noel where it needs to be because I know there is a couple moments in a Saturday's game to where probably not like Marquise Noel should have you know came up with the ball and of course there was a situation where K-State had a chance to win it in regulation and had Nigel Pack with his with the ball in his hands, which is perfectly fine because that was pretty much how it happened uh, against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago when we when they beat him on a game winner, and it was cool. But even then, that was from an inbounds pass from Marquise Noel. That's his, that's pretty much his specialty has been passing the ball. But this time it wasn't. It took the took the inbound from the other end of the court, dribbled all the way down, had time to get the last shot in the end of regulation, and we understand it. It's in it's in his hands it's in Nigel Pack's hands but I think because uh, Bruce Weber was talking about it a little bit in the press conference to where like the guy that they had on him they're like he was a he was he's a great defensive player one who uh, Weber considered one of the better defensive players in the Big 12 uh, at least a season or two prior and he was up against Nigel Pack and of course Nigel Pack he's not the biggest guy in the world and the man on him he's defender he can defend one through five and that's what they they pride themselves on doing especially with having such a pretty rough season themselves and also not being able to participate anything postseason so Nigel Pack had the ball in his hands and he he wished he kind of had a better shot to end it at regulation it was kind of messy but what we've learned is the majority of our games that came down to a last shot situation it's never been great I think one time is when Nigel Pack had the game win against Oklahoma State other times it was bad like when Marquise Noel had the ball 
to end it against Iowa State. And we were like, bro, what the heck are you doing? Because it was just super weird. And, like, you dribbled all the way down from, like, 20 seconds just dribbling it. And then shoot up until, like, three seconds instead of moving the ball around 10 seconds. And it got blocked at, like, almost half court. We're like, okay, bro, what, what are you doing in that situation? And then fast, like, you know, rewind a little bit to when we were up against Marquette. And it was up against a last, you know, last second, last play defining type of win that could have been a win for us and it was just you know trash and it's always been how does one say just all over the place a little bit unorganized and that's kind of how it was before but I don't really I don't really know there's this because this game it actually wasn't awful because this is like one of the first times that like there has been even scoring like Nigel Pack he had 16 points Mike McGurl he had 14 Smith he had 15 points and 10 rebounds him being a, like a double double king that we know him to be and then Marquise Noel with six with uh, 16 points and then something that crazy that happened a big was scoring points for us Casey Easy Agu had nine points and four rebounds which that doesn't sound like the greatest thing but considering that our bigs have given us <laughs> nothing this entire season, that's pretty good. And we have a little clip from Bruce Weber about Casey Eziegu. Well, you know, Casey called me on Tuesday morning after uh, after the West Virginia game. He hadn't gotten in two games, and he just said, "What's what? What's up, coach?" And I said, "You gotta, you gotta produce." And and you know, and and he just said, "Okay." I, I said, "You gotta keep your head up." And, you know, this next couple games, you got two big guys coming up. You might have an opportunity when you when you get this opportunity. You got to step up and and give us some. You got to produce whether it's rebounding, scoring, whatever it is, defense. Uh, you know, but he did a nice job. Nine points, four rebounds. Uh, obviously, we would have liked the, another one or two, but uh, you know, I hope I hope it helps him. I, I thought Davion gave us pretty good energy. Obviously, we need him to catch the balls a little better, uh, but uh, you know it. They went to Boone, uh, you know, the where they haven't played much, and he just kind of took us to the to the woodshed and back uh, in the first half, and we had no answers for him, uh, you know, and that's why Casey got an opportunity. We thought he could be a little more physical and, and deal with that. So I'm I'm happy for him. Hopefully, we can get everybody going at the same time. You see, there was a time in that game where I tweeted out, like, I need to know what type of butter our bigs are using on their hands because. Mm-hmm. A lot of rebounds that would have, in the end, would have been great rebounds to have, would just slip right through their hands. And unfortunately, Davion, like he mentioned in in the presser, is that wish he would have held on to the ball. He wish he would have held on to the ball a couple of times because, my God, I was just like, just get the rebound and all the things that were struggling. But this was still good production we were getting by at least, at the very least, one of our three bigs. So, like, what do you see that going forward for these next couple games, which are going to be huge for the case for Wild, for the K State Wildcats to make it into the NCAA tournament? So, what what does this really mean for the K State Bigs that we have at least one person show up already? Yeah, I think it's huge, and it's so funny you say that thing about the butter. Um, a person that I coached with, I coached middle school basketball with him, and he always used to tell our girls, "It is not volleyball. Don't slap it." And I find myself yelling that at every single game. I'm in the student section. It is not volleyball. Do not slap the basketball. Grab the basketball. And time and time again, we just we swatted away. We swatted out of bounds. Um, it creates turnovers. It's terrible. It's horrible to watch. I don't know what our bigs are thinking. Um, I don't know if we do rebounding drills in practice. Maybe oh, that's gosh. something we implement. I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, I think that I'm I'm usually pretty hard on the bigs. Um, I I struggle with our bigs this year, and I'm pretty critical of them. But I have to say that Casey came out and he impressed me. He really did. I I was very impressed that second half. I think being benched really was kind of a wake up call. You know, he's like, okay, if I want to get playing time, I have to produce. Bruce isn't going to stick me out there if I'm not playing well. And I think that kind of was a little bit of kick in the pants. You know, he he started producing and. We need that because, you know, like I said before, Marquise Noel's coming around. We're developing into a good team. It's unfortunate that it's with only, you know, three or four games left, but we're developing. And the one piece that's missing for me is those bigs. And I think that we saw signs of that on Saturday. And if we can really put these pieces together, we might be able to win all three games. I don't know. It's not impossible. Another hot take, but it's not impossible. I think that we can do it. Um, and we can make it to the tournament, but if we want to not make fools of ourselves in the tournament, we need to show up with all of our pieces, you know, together, all of our ducks in a row. And I think that our bigs are just a huge piece that we need to press in there and we could be a great basketball team. Yeah, most definitely. Because like there's, I think, four games left to play. Two of them are against KU and Texas Tech. On both of the them road. are, yeah, both are yeah. on the road. So... I don't want to hold my breath that will come out of there with the win. You know, the yeah. road dogs need to show up for that to be able to happen because, my gosh, those are some those are some tough places to play in. It sucks. And, you know, Allen Fieldhouse, you know, when things when like when things get going and time gets crunched and everything gets close, you know calls are going to start to go their way. It's been historically proven. It doesn't have to be in a textbook. We just already know that that's true. So I don't want to hold my breath on that. I, I really don't. Texas Tech, mm Maybe, because historically speaking, KU gets all the calls in their own building. Texas Tech, they never really care too much about basketball in that way for them to historically always get calls. So we'll see when that time comes. The other game is against Iowa State and Oklahoma. Iowa State, I think, will be another tough game because they're a good team. They're just in a tough conference, you know, still, because their record is a good record. They're going to be... In the big, in not the Big Twelve tournament, the NCAA tournament, they just had a rough time because they're in the Big Twelve. They're still a really good team, so I think that's going to be another tough win for us to grasp. OU, they're they're about like the same you know level as us. Kind of pretty much a disappointing season for them. I think we have very much the potential to win that game. I'm not gonna. I'm like still gonna like knock on wood because I do not trust this team with anything. Gosh, if I had to say like, hey, this team needs to win a game for you to survive, I'd be like. Damn, you know what I mean? It's a 50-50 shot. It's a 50-50 <laughs> shot. So I, I, can't, I can't fully, like, trust them with this, but there is a chance that we at least get two out of four, brings up to what, 16 and 12, or at that point, 16 and 14, and then we have the tournament. So if we can get there, we definitely need two wins, at least two wins in the tournament or in the Big 12 tournament to get to the big dance. And so we have to get there. And once we do get there, I pray to God Almighty himself we do not get embarrassed. Because <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's another fear of mine. Like, I, I think that we could get to, to March Madness. I'm just terrified that we are just going to be absolutely crushed in Dayton, Ohio, in the, like, the play-in game or whatever it is. That's, that's what I don't want. Because we've, we've been embarrassed like that before. The, with, the, I think, the 2019 uh, Big 12 championship team, we lost in the first round against uh, UC Davis, I think. That was embarrassing. That shouldn't have never happened. So I'm scared. I'm scared, y'all. We're all, <laughs> we're all really scared. But back to something a little bit more fun after this quick break from our friends at Tanner's. 
Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville offers friendly service, great food, and beer that is ice cold. Conveniently located on Morrow Street, this spot can always be seen with the big game on TV and drinks at the right price. With specials every day of the week, there's always something going on at Tanner's Bar and Grill. For more information, you can find them online at www.tannersbarandgrill.com or by calling 785-320-2575. Whether it's watching a 13-second drive to send the Chiefs to overtime or a buzzer beater to send Kansas State to the Elite Eight, Tanner's has you covered. If you can't beat the big game, Tanner's is where you want to be. Thank you very much from our friends over at Tanner's. But now we're going to get to the biggest story from Sunday, and that is Michigan and Wisconsin basketball. You know, just started being just a game, just, you know, Sunday basketball game, college basketball. It ended up with Wisconsin winning. But, oh, a twist. There was a little bit of heat going on between Jawan Howard and he's the head coach of Michigan and then the head coach of Wisconsin, Greg Gard. And we have a couple of clips from their post from their post-game interviews after a fight. I mean, it was I don't I'm sorry, it was some spiciness. It was something that you don't really see because you see players go at it a lot, but you don't you hardly ever see coaches. So this is already some drama in it. So we're gonna play those clips for you. Uh, the head coach that uh, I will remember that <laughs> because of that timeout and uh, for someone to touch me and I think that was un- very uncalled for for him to touch me as we were verbalizing and communicating with one another. So uh, that's what ended up happening and that's what escalated it. Yeah, I guess if you could, I guess, expand on that a little more. What, what no, I would not expand on it. I just well, share with you the story, what happened. Well, as far as touching, I mean, obviously, it's obvious touching with the handshake line. There, it must have been more than that. Oh, yeah, it was more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touching, touching me unnecessary wasn't caused for that when we were talking. And at that, at that point, you know, I thought that was, you know, time to protect myself. Going down the line with everybody, and they were all fine. And he came up to me and pulled his max, max down and said, I'll remember that. And he started pointing it at me and tapped me in the chest. And I said, hold on. Let me explain to you why I took the timeout. Maybe he doesn't know the rule that you get the 10 seconds reset. I wasn't going to put my players in that type of situation to have to break a f- press in four seconds, coming stiff and cold off the bench. I wouldn't do that for a regular group. If I can take a timeout, that's, um, it gives my players the best chance to have success. So that's where it started that he said, I'll remember that, I'll remember that. And I said, hey, let me tell you why I did what I did. And he didn't want any part of it. And, um, kept moving on so that's so to walk you all through a little bit more about what happened so if you have you heard Juwan Howard he was the first one to talk and then Greg Gard he was the second one so it was already kind of a blowout Uh, Wisconsin was already up pretty big over Michigan and so Juwan Howard he had his guys do like a full port uh, full court press and then that was I guess they didn't really like that or whatever and then Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard, he called a timeout with like 13 seconds left and then like five seconds left and things like that. So they just didn't like that. And let me tell you, I think they're both just full of crap. Be like, oh, I didn't like that he did a full court press. Oh, I didn't like that he called timeout. Be like, bro, it's basketball. They all, everyone does this. If y'all just kept it pushing, it would have all been fine. And then that led to a little scuffle, a little argument. It wasn't even much of like, like a, through a punch with John Howard to a, an assistant, rather. I don't know. The assistant, they were all trying to, like, 
back each other up, be like, yo, it's cool, it's cool. And got and just another coach got into another coach's face and then they pretty much gave like a slap. It wasn't even a punch. It was like a love tap to the to like the upside of the head. But and then it caused a little scuffle between the players, which you kind of knew that was gonna happen because you mess with somebody's coach, his players, they gonna they gonna run up on you, and that's what happened. But Bing Bang Boom, it was pretty much done in like 20 seconds. But the whole big story is, is that these coaches were quote unquote fighting, and they were talking about should Juwan Howard be fired or this, that, and the third. And it just came out that ESPN reported that he is suspended for only five games. Which I'm glad, because I'm glad that he's not fired. Because you know what my position on this is? Good. Like, we, we need a little spice. Like, the, fan, the fans want a little, a little something-something. Like, you're not going to fire Jawan Howard for this and if you want, if, unless you want to lose some money. Because I'm just saying, like, we're not, every, every fan wants some drama to go with these games. And the NBA definitely ain't going to give that to us because everyone's all buddy-buddy. Which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But, I mean, it's not like back in, today, like back in the day where you can hype it up a little bit. Like, it's it's just, that's not what it's giving. But college basketball, a lot of people like college basketball more than they like NBA just because, you know, it feels like the players play harder and things like that. So I say, like, use use this because now, like, it was just like Michigan and Wisconsin. I wouldn't think that's much of a rivalry game or a game that a lot of people would necessarily pay attention to. But, hell, it is now. I mean, the next time these two these two teams meet, I'll be like, oh, hold up, let me let me get that on prime time, get it get it on Fox or CBS or whatever channel that the Big Ten affiliate with. Give give me a little bit more of that, cause that's what people are really wanting to see. Cause I'm like, cause I'm like, it's bro, it's it's a fight. Like we've seen, like it's just like chill out. Everyone's like, I want this man arrested. I need his this man fired. I'm just like, bro, chill, chill out. There's a whole bunch of coaches who did a lot worse and did not get fired. Just call, like you know. Chill your buns or whatever it is. But now people are talking about this whole thing about if if the NCAA and you no know, others should just get rid of the post game like handshakes or whatever that is. I'm not sure the view on that. Sophie, what is your view on that? Should they should they start getting rid of these post game handshakes because of the I guess several incidents that has happened because of it? Absolutely not. I think Thank that you. that is part of the game. I mean, sportsmanship is a huge thing. You learn it, you know, when you're five years old and you play, you know, machine pitch or t-ball. You, sportsmanship is huge. And I think, you know, it's something we see professional athletes do. Well, the MLB doesn't do it. But, you know, other teams, you know, other professional sports, they go and they shake hands. I think it's really important for the coaches to acknowledge each other because it's one professional to another. Um, this fight, actually, it's so comical to me because it's like... It's based on the, the funniest things. They're just whining about each other. Yes. It was a blowout game. It's not like it was tight. It wasn't the championship game. And it's just hilarious to me that they're going back and forth. It's so funny that he threw a halfway punch, but it, you're right. It was like a, was slap a slap to the face. It wasn't even a punch. It just, it cracked me up. I laughed so hard when I watched this. And um, it's like, you know, the he, sh- he said, she said drama you know it's it's like when you watch the bachelor that kind of drama (laughs) i just i can't get over it it's so funny to me and i think it would be absolutely ridiculous if we took something as silly as this and eliminated this you know great tradition of you know sportsmanship and coming together after game and acknowledging the fact that you both competed you both did your best you know you worked hard out there and then you come together at the end because in the end it is just a game and so i don't think something this stupid should end something that means so much more that those post-game handshakes represent something so much more at least in my mind 
Um, I don't know about you, but to me, they're just, there's something so much more than just a handshake, you know, and as athletes and as coaches, you should feel that. And so, no, I do not think that we should do away with that. No, not at all. And honestly, there's a, like when I used to play basketball, the post game, like handshakes or whatever, some of those would be kind of funny. They'd be like, good game, good game, good game. You trash, good game, good game, good game. Yo mama ugly, good game, good game, good game. And then stuff like that. I'm just like, sometimes that's just where the fun stuff and you like, and they turn around and be like, what did you just say? And it's, it's just, that's just the kind of just a comical thing from it. Of course, still being the old sportsmanship or whatever. But I mean, people have been doing that for a very long time and it hasn't led to fights. If something led to a fight, it's completely unrelated, possibly. Yeah. Or whatever it is. I just haven't seen enough brawls for it to be like, okay, let's scrap the post game handshake all together. Everyone, turn around, head to your locker rooms. That's it. And I just I mean, like, I don't see that. What so what if it does lead to a brawl? That I mean, I guess I don't see that, you know, because Use the spice. Yeah, eight out of ten don't lead to a brawl. And if it does, that's the organization's problems. That's not the NCAA's problem. Exactly. You know, oh, everyone has to do away with the handshakes. This was Michigan and Wisconsin's problem and they took care of it and it's over. And that's how I see it. Exactly. And I just it's like I said, if they want if they want some money. They keep this pushing because I recall, two, I think was it was two years ago where K State had that brawl against KU. Yeah, the that chair. was some, that was some crazy <laughs> stuff with the with the what was, what was what was his name Sosa with the chair and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm not always con- I'm not condoning fights, but I mean that gave us a, that gave us a lot of press, especially it was already a crap year for us, and that was mm-hmm. already stuff that and it was like and it was. It was hyped up. That was the first. That was the first game between us that season. It was hyped up to the second one. More people were around. People had shirts. The signs were funnier. Y'all were like, yo, this is this is this is fun. This is this is what's fun. They've been hyping this up on ESPN. Like, yo, here it is. And then they did like they started that game off with like a like everyone shaking hands at midcourt before the game started. And I'm like, okay. And everyone's like, boo. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but I'm just like. I mean, like, look at the views that we just got from doing this, you know what right. I mean? So, like, just kind of, like, use that. Give us a little something to look forward to than just a typical rivalry game, you know what I mean? Like, y'all, you'll have, like, Duke and, you know, uh, University of North Carolina and those games like that. But, I mean, a lot of times, like, sometimes these rivalry games they may not be as big as Duke and UNC, but other ones where the only people who really pay attention to it are those fans of those two schools. But now, if you keep kind of, like, pushing it out a little bit, you're like, yo, I think more people want to watch Michigan and Wisconsin the next time they play. And I think that just that generates a lot of money. That just yeah. this is just something just to entertain the fans. That's that's literally it. So yeah. why not do that? Yeah, and I mean sports are emotional, you know? And yes. as a, as a fan for me, I'm a big believer in I get so emotionally attached to any sports game I'm watching. Mm-hmm. I don't even care about either team, but I will pick a team and I will be in a bad mood for the rest of the day if they lose. I get so emotionally attached and you know as athletes, you know, you get so invested in the game. And it might be something silly. You know, from the outside looking in, I thought that fight was so silly. But for them, it was real. Their emotions were real. Yeah. And that's what gets the fans. That's what people come to watch. And that's why you watch sports. And so, yeah, those emotions, they're great for the fans, you know. Exactly. It may seem silly, but at the same time, here we are talking about it. So Exactly. I'm like saying we're not getting that in the NBA, yeah. but we at least get that in college a little bit. But now moving on to the NBA – the NBA All-Star Weekend was this past weekend. It had some highs and it had some goodness. It had some lows. Uh, but there was a lot of cool things in it. They had the Skills Challenge where they had, like, they completely revamped the whole Skills Challenge, which I thought was pretty awesome. It wasn't your typical bounce pass. We threw 
hit a layup type of relay thing. They had like three teams. They had the Rooks. They had all the NBA rookies. They had the, the Antetokounmpo's with the Antetokounmpo brothers. I thought that was fun. And then Team Cavs, which was the home team there. They all had a different types of, you know, three different games throughout that whole skills challenge. And it was so entertaining. And then they revamped uh, the three-point contest. That was super fun. They added the money rack. They added, like, the Mountain Dew ball, which is, like, like I think, like, probably three or four feet behind the three-point line to make things tougher and things a lot more entertaining. And then we moved on to the dunk contest. My God, that was some trash booty stuff. And it was just so utterly ridiculous. We have Stephen A. talking about it right here. I'm glad that you are on this segment with me because I want to look at you when I say this to a national television audience. That was the worst slam dunk contest in the history of basketball. It was a national atrocity. It was awful. (laughs) Somebody need to say it, so I'm going to say it. Now, I'm happy that a Nick won something. We actually had a New York Nick that won something. (laughs) That was Obi Coppin. Okay, Um, it was so bad. It was so bad. It's one of the rare moments that I think we should actually hide a trophy. We should actually hide the trophy. That's how bad it was. Um, I would like Adam Silver, uh, Mark Tatum, Tim Frank, and everybody else I know at the NBA office to know to expect a call from me this week's holiday today, but expect a call from me this week. Because I'm dead serious. I don't blame y'all for laughing, but I'm dead serious. They going to hear from me. We cannot have, we cannot have this atrocity showing up on a Saturday night for NBA All-Star Weekend. It was a national embarrassment. Shout out to Kendrick Perkins just absolutely dying in the background because Stephen A was so right. And my gosh, I, uh, it's, I, I understand, like, the whole it's super it's super fun i love i always used to love watching the dunk contest but ever since 2016 again like where there was aaron gordon and um god wow did i really just forget this man's name all of a sudden oh well but y'all know what i'm talking about the 2016 dunk contest with zach levine there you go jasmine all right and it was the best dunk contest i think any of us has ever seen before you had uh, aaron gordon doing something monstrous like absolutely like sitting in the air jumping over his mascot putting the ball both under leg like two under leg dunk over the mascot he got up to seven like seven feet and seven inches up in the air and boom he did that first try first try and then you had Zach Levine doing the in between the legs from the free throw line like are you kidding me it was just the best dunk contest we've ever seen and we've been so spoiled by it that in all of it, everything has just just gone down a little bit when it comes to dunk contests. I was like, oh, this is kind of disappointing. But hey, Aaron Gordon's back. He's back in it. And then he got robbed like he did in 2016. He got robbed in this one. He jumped over Taco Fall, and then D Wade had to do something and mess it up to where it was a uh, Derek somebody, somebody who's not even relevant in this league, who won the dunk, who won the dunk contest. Then and Aaron Gordon said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing it. And be like, okay, great. There's one of the best dunkers to ever have dunked in the dunk contest and he's not doing it anymore and everything just sucked from there but this this past one this past all-star weekend it's just the last straw because it sucked we had uh Jalen Green 
we had Opie Toppin, who ended up winning, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Anthony Cole. Shout out to Anthony Cole. He was dunking in some Timberlands. He brought those out. I was like, in the yuttas? Like, in, <laughs> like he, he dunking in the butters? So that was pretty much the only highlight that I thought, even, but it took him like four tries to do it. Every single one of them, it took so many tries. Like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he just left, he just left the court after Jalen Green couldn't get it on like his seventh dunk attempt when you only really have three. I just, it was just so incredibly awful. I hated every single minute. I was just like, this is what people, this is the only reason people watch the whole skills challenge, the whole three point, the three point contest, the other skills challenge that they do. This is, this was, this is the highlight. They always make that last because everyone looks forward to it. And then it was just like, this sucks. This and this will always just suck. And Sophie, you tell me that you didn't see it. I'm like, girl, I'm I'm happy for you. Yeah, guys, I gotta be honest. I didn't even watch it because I the NBA just makes me laugh sometimes. And I didn't want to watch a bunch of overpaid athletes try and dunk a basketball. I think that's a lot of the times it was inter- time. it was entertaining. It was entertainment because <laughs> the times where it was so cool. You had super iconic moments. You had Michael Jordan do with the yeah. tongue out and the gold chain back in the day. Uh, you had you had Vince Carter putting his whole arm through the rim and things like that. <laughs> That's something that no one's really attempted anymore. And Toscano Anderson, he tried it, but he just didn't have the, really the bounce to do it. And I'm like, there's like some of these guys. They're like, it's just so frustrating <laughs> that we're not even getting any of this. And I was looking at it this weekend. They were trying. I was like, did y'all even practice? Like, did y'all practice? Did y'all bring these out two days before y'all got here? Like, what did y'all do? There are so many retries and retries, and you only get three tries to really do it. That's only, like, the retry if they actually just missed the dunk, not if they gave up in midair. That doesn't count. So shout-out to Jalen Green, who did that nine times, only got, one, like, one out of nine for doing that, for goodness sake. It was just... You know, it's so just, funny, Jasmine. I kind of want to go back and watch it now. I, do it. You You'll just be like, it. bro, I'm on it. It sounds I mean, so funny. I think I want to go back and watch that. Like, <laughs> you were so spoiled with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. They were doing so this crazy stuff. And we need to realize that like no one will ever just do that. But no one's even attempt to do what they did. No one's no one's bringing their mascot out and doing like... He, and, they, and just Aaron Gordon, he had other things. He had his mascot on one of those little uh, hoverboard thingies, spinning around, holding the ball with one hand, spinning and spinning. So he had to time that correctly, do the showman pose, and, like, win, like windmill it, and all that first attempt. These are all first attempt dunks that they did, and it's amazing. And everyone will refer back to that year from here on out because that's just – we were spoiled. We get that. But this is just a whole new low for the <laughs> NBA and the dunk contest. It's, so, it's just so low that people were all like, yo, just get rid of it. Just, just get rid of it. I don't want them to get rid of it, but Steve, because Stephen A. brought up a great point this morning on first take, is that if the, if the athletes, if the NBA players are gonna do crap like this, why not just like hold a contest? Because like there's there's cats all over this country, in like you know, in the gym, in like in the 24-hour fitness, or you know, in the or outside with the you know the double rims and the no net who are absolutely doing like this crazy athletic dunks and stuff like that and they're doing it on a consistent basis so he's like why don't we get like 20 or 30 dudes you know and have a little contest to see who who's the best dunker out of these guys and then bring it down to 10 and then you bring it back to like say 
seven or five, and each NBA player can sponsor this dude, say, yo, my guy's going to win. No, my, my guy's going to win. And they have a dunk contest that way. So where you have these guys, really all they do is do these spectacular dunks. So at least you know you're going to get something creative. At least you know, you, at least you hope it's not going to take seven times for them to be able to do it. Because these dudes were dunking like 22% from the field. I'm like, how do you do that? And I mean, at least contest. if these, these, you know, civilians per se – do it we're not gonna get mad at them when we're like oh he missed it but these nba players i'm like are you serious you really missed that right there like let's show some athletic ability you know and like the guy who ends up winning it or like or first second third place they can like give them some money be like yo there's fifty thousand dollars for the winner or whatever it is nba got they got bank they got money that's not gonna be a problem it'll generate more money from people actually watching it and it being successful Mm -hmm. so like why why not just try that because this was just it was disgusting. <laughs> it was like, it was trash juice, because that's the one thing I can think that's worse than trash. It's trash juice. So that's that was all my thought. But there were some good things from this weekend. And Steph Curry, I don't know if y'all watched, but this man just went absolutely bonkers. He, he scored 50 points in the All-Star game, 15 three-pointers. Are you, just think, count, count to 15 in, in your head, everybody. 15 three-pointers, that's how much he made in a game. I Granted, there was not much defense until the end, but that's what happened. And he ended up winning the All-Star MVP, which is which was insane and super awesome because another high to this weekend is like, because normally people never really paid attention to All-Star games. We just talked a few weeks back about the Pro Bowl and how trash it was. Mm. And now in the All-Star game was pretty much the same thing. It was the same thing the Pro Bowl was until they started doing this charity thing where they had Team LeBron, Team KD, or Team LeBron, Team Giannis, to where each side they were supporting a charity. Like say, like I think uh, this week, like last night, Team LeBron, uh, his was the I Promise School for Kent for Kent State University, and then Team Durant, it was like a food kitchen or something like that. And for every quarter that they win, those two, those charities of the team who wins, they get like a hundred thousand dollars. That's great because that means the games get more competitive. So yeah, Team LeBron, he won the first quarter. His charity gets a hundred thousand. Uh, team Durant, second quarter, his team won. His charity gets a hundred thousand, and then they tied it in the third quarter, which even better because they both got fifty and fifty. And then the fourth quarter, the final quarter, is who it's a it's a point it's a point total. Like it's no it's no running clock. It's whoever gets to I think last night it was one hundred and sixty three points first. That's and even and even picked up even more. Giannis was playing defense. Everybody was playing defense, and it was entertaining. They were like trying, and this is like. This is something you don't see when in any sort of All-Star games except for this one since they changed this format. And so I I need to know, Sophie, what what is your idea on how they can how other uh leagues can implement this format for their All-Star games? Yeah, so um I think that that's great that they did that because I think it found a good mix of, you know, still having fun. I mean, the All-Star breaks for any league is supposed to be fun, you know, and I right. think they can have fun. They can go out and compete. Um, but they're they're playing for a greater cause, and I think they have that in the back of their heads, and they know that. Um, yeah, so to me, you know, I think of the MLB. I'm a really big, you know, baseball fan, and so I think they can almost do something pretty similar. You know, they could still do the National League versus the American League, but they could do something, you know, where, um, you know, every third inning or something, kind of like the quarters, you know, whoever has the most runs, they could do a charity and just different things like that. Um I don't know how to fix the NFL Pro Bowl. I don't know if there's any coming back from what happened this year. But I think, you know, with the MLB, they could implement the same thing. And I think the NBA started a great trend. And hopefully we see it spread to other professional sports. Most definitely. Because 
I, I get that the NFL Pro Bowl is probably going to be a little bit more difficult because you have a higher chance of getting hurt like that. Like, if you have T.J. Watt doing his absolute best, there's a higher chance that you're going to get crushed. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that. But if there's just a way, like, try to do something, like a seven-on-seven or just I, – I, I don't know. I, I That's up to them. They have they, – they pay people to figure that out for them. And I hope that they're on the case because this past year sucked. They were looking at the NBA. When, once they actually started doing these, you know, charity versus charity, games started to be super-duper fun. It was still competitive, and yet it was still super-duper entertaining. Like, I know I, I was about to say, where are you going to see Steph Curry drain, half, like, half-court shots? But he does that literally, like, once, like one every five games if he's just <laughs> trying to be on that type of stuff and on that type of time. This was insane. But everybody else... Then we started getting in the crunch. You had Giannis, like, blocking Joel Embiid's shot. You had Joel Embiid coming out to the three-point line to, like, contest Steph Curry so he doesn't get, like, 53 points and stuff like that. It was it was just so incredibly fun and that I wish was being implemented more in other leagues. And what was also big about this past weekend is also, at least this whole season, it's the 75th uh, year of the NBA, and they had all the guys come out in that to, that halftime which was just long as hell but they had to name all 75 guys so i understand it was super cool they had they had kobe r.i.p to him in the top guards and they had lebron they had everybody they had julius Irvin. it it was such a cool moment to have with everybody and that was a good way to share it with like the rest of the nba fans was a lot of these guys the fans know except i guess the ones who were like in the 50s the ones that i don't really know of or whatever it is but it was a super fun thing to start, and I, honestly, I can't wait till like the hundredth year of the NBA starts, because then there's even more stuff that they can do. Because the NBA is kind of they're leading the helm on creativity sort of stuff. I hope they keep doing that when it comes to the to the dunk contest, because we we need for the love of God, we need a change. Um, but keeping on with the little NBA stuff, there was a couple of key injuries that you have to look out for, and it's some rough stuff right here. And uh, I think another beat that we got here, that Chris Paul, who participated in the All-Star game, he he's going to be out for six to eight weeks with an avulsion fracture in his thumb. And for you guys that do not know, that is when a small piece of the bone that's attached to a ligament or a tendon is now unattached to the rest of the bone. So it's things just kind of like flapping around in there. Yes, I gave y'all a visual. And it's very painful, so he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. And that's going to be huge for the Phoenix Suns, who are the best team in the NBA right now. They have the best record. And Chris Paul is a huge, huge part of that. He's like a plus 99 in the plus minus in crunch time. That's insane. Like This is the guy who you want the ball in his hands when it comes down to it. And he leads the NBA in assists and 10.7 assists per game. Like it, it's we've seen we've seen this trend. We've seen this trend with Chris Paul before. How his team does super well, but he just gets injured at just the worst time to when they're trying to make a championship run. Because now it's after the All Star break. Things things start rolling. Things this is when things get super serious. And he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. That's the rest of the regular season. He's he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season and that's not exactly ideal they but they have put enough cushion in between their wins they're like six and a half games ahead in first place so if they start losing games that's not gonna you know all of a sudden take them out the nba playoffs their seed may change but you're in the playoffs at that point seeds don't really matter right so it's just depending because when they get him back 
It's, they're trying to see what that what that flow is because he wasn't even 100% healthy last season when they made it to the NBA Finals. And that whole that whole playoff series with all teams, it was came down to the healthiest team was going to win. And that ended up being the Milwaukee Bucks. So that may be a similar thing what we see right now when it comes to them because Chris Paul, man, you, he's never won an NBA championship. He has all these other accolades, but he seems to be allergic to this one. So him not being there is going to be huge. And to see when he's able to come back, he still has that conditioning. It's still it's still super rough because I think it's his shooting hand as well. I mean, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's his shooting hand. So that's another huge thing. And another injury that happened, it happened, I think, a couple nights ago. Anthony Davis, he's going to be out for four weeks with a mid-foot sprain. And gosh, I hate it. This man is made of glass, unfortunately. It's, his, it's Anthony Data Davis. He's He's been out what feels like this entire season. And you feel for him because he was doing so well before he got hurt um, against Utah, I think. I think it might have been mm, one, one of these games. It was just before the All-Star break. He got hurt again. And it, the Lakers are already having a tough season, partially because Anthony Davis is not there. And then another huge injury, the last one I'm going to let y'all know, Kevin Durant, he's missed the last 13 games with a grade 2 MCL sprain. They haven't been able to tell us when he's going to be able to come back, per se, but I'll just say this, the Nets have lost their last 10 games. So connect those dots. They'll get some help soon with Ben Simmons coming in. They got uh, Gorgon Grogic today uh, from free agency. They got Seth Curry from the trade so they got some help but I mean KD's KD you, that's something that you need to worry about because when you're trying to make a push to the NBA finals you need KD I don't care who or what you are you're gonna need KD so that's all the note like the key injuries I got for y'all but we still have some more basketball stuff to talk about because LeBron James he uh he said something a little interesting this weekend about him possibly playing with his son whenever he gets to the NBA. Here's a little clip from that. The door's not closed on that. I'm not saying I'm coming back and playing. I don't know. I don't know what my future holds. I don't even know when I'm free. My last year will be played with my son wherever Bronny is at. That's where I'll be. I'll do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. LeBron was shaking the table this weekend. He, he was kind of stirring the pot. He said some some things about like about Rob Polinka, how he was upset that he didn't do anything at the trade deadline or whatever. And then he's talking about this stuff to like Cleveland has, you know, three all-star players here. They have Darius Garland, they got Jared Allen, and then they got me and things like this. So like kind of like think kind of like throwing it in there. It's like, yo, is is there a possibility that LeBron could come back to Cleveland? And he's saying, I'm not saying there's not a possibility. And then that whole thing about, you know, wherever he could be and whatever team that Bronny ends up getting drafted to that's his son that's where he's going to play he's gonna it doesn't matter who or where it is he could be paid for free or a dollar and that's where he's going to be able to play with his son Bronny who's not going to be able to be eligible for the draft until 2024 I think so uh as you see as someone who has been a kid before and I, someone I love, I love my parents. But a part of just having to play basketball with your all-time great father, and just saying that any team that drafts him will get me too, I feel like that would kind of make me uncomfortable. 
because like I mean I'm already gonna be where I am because of my name. I I like and he's a good player. I've seen I've seen his clips. He this kid this kid can ball out, but he ha- he has that name to where people are already gonna want him. But now they say they get him and LeBron too. They'd be like, yo, we kind of want you because yo daddy. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much kind of what they're saying here. And like as his kid, like I don't know if they, like I don't know if I want to play basketball with my dad. Or how many coaches will, one, want to turn that down, but two, you know, his coach could say something to Bronny, say, do this, do this, that, and the third, and LeBron pull him off to the side, he'd be like, don't listen to that, man. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. And be with people like, who's really the coach here? Because, I mean, LeBron James is LeBron James. We, we, we know for a fact. Like, he has enough accolades to he, – he does do a little bit of something. So that might be a change, uh, like a tough dynamic change, because not every coach would know how to deal with that compared to maybe a couple other coaches who might know how to deal with that. But I just think that's such an awkward situation, and that kind of, I don't want to say brings down the overall value of Bronny, because like I said, like now you're not only here because you're LeBron's son, we're here because we also get LeBron. So, like, Sophie, I also heard that you have another super hot take <laughs> about LeBron James. Please share with the audience. Yeah, so... um for those of you listening, don't hate me for this. I am not a LeBron James fan. Gasp. I know, I know. It, it hurts. But um, I just, I respect his abilities, you know. I'm just not a bandwagon person, you know. I think LeBron James is way too overhyped. You know, I don't think he's that much better than all these other players. LeBron James has millions of fans. And I think there's players that are, you know, almost as good oh, that boy. have like four fans. And so I'm just not a bandwagon person. I'm out here for the underdogs um, and the people that don't get that credit. But I just think that LeBron James playing with his son will be disastrous. I'm here for it now. Everyone, you heard me. You heard me say it. And in a few years, I think we will be just watching this unfold. It will be terrible for his son. Um, for all the reasons you listed, I think teams will want him because of his dad. I think his dad will be, you know, putting so much pressure on him that I just don't think that we'll see him play, you know, to the best of his abilities. It's just, it's going to be a disaster. I'm calling it now. I just, you see, it's just someone, like, someone who has, you know, black parents. It's just that whole thing, like, you don't know what to do necessarily because, like, you can't just do whatever shenanigans that you do with your, with your homies, with your teammates and things like that. And then your dad come in and be like, I'm not one of your little friends. That's 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 that stuff that comes out. Like you don't I just just so much pressure because he already has pressure being the son of LeBron James. Okay, he he already has that pressure. Now he has that pressure to where like if you're not on at least close to the same level as your dad is while y'all both on the floor together, what we gonna do? What what are y'all gonna do? And you still like what's that team dynamic? Cause like say Say he gets drafted to the Oklahoma City Thunder because they have like a butt ton of first round draft picks because of the Paul George trade and things like that. So what if what if what if he goes there? It's a super young team, super a, a young and exciting team, and they go there. I don't know how that head coach is gonna figure out to like how do I change this dynamic because everyone's gonna kind of more gravitate to LeBron because it's LeBron. I, I know you said you don't you're not a big fan of him, but like we. Like he's kind of most been, people are. He's been he's kind of past his prime a little bit. He's still like dropping twenty five and ten a night at like thirty seven or ever, ever heck old he is, which is still crazy at his age. It's just it's it's awkward. I feel like it's just gonna be awkward for him. And then just ah, 
it's a soft spot. I, I think as I think it's super sweet. He wants to play with his son in the NBA and also, you know, shows how long LeBron has been in the NBA. Because at that point, it would have been like what, 20 years. That's 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 a long that's a long 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 time. So I get there's he, he it's it comes from a, such a good spot. It's it comes from a good place in his heart. Like yeah, I want to I want to take pictures with my son in the same jersey. I want to throw him an oop every now and again and things like that. Just memory wise, he has his heart is in the right place. But as someone who's been a child and just like wants to just go crazy or just have all these things or whatever, I don't want like my my parent just kind of like you know kind of over me a little bit to like kind of have more pressure. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it would necessarily be very fun yeah Ugh. I agree and I think I agree with you it to me it almost comes off as selfish almost and I don't think that that's what LeBron's trying to do I think he's doing it you know for the best for his son and everything because he wants that experience but I think it it's I think it's time for LeBron to step back and just be a dad cheer his son on from the crowd you know take pictures with him after the game but just be a father don't be a coach don't be a teammate you know be his dad because that's who you are to him Absolutely. And we'll get to more NBA stuff after this quick break. Just because Tanner's Bar and Grill has been around since the 80s doesn't mean their menu is outdated. They are serving up new weekday food and drink specials with dishes like buffalo mac and cheese, steak tips, bugas, and chicken sandwiches. Don't have time to stop by their location at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville? Tanner's now offers takeout through their website, tannersbarandgrill.com, and delivery through DoorDash. Welcome back. Thank you very much to our friends at Tanner's. And back to more on some basketball things. There is some more drama from LeBron this weekend. A little, little shaking the table, a little stirring the pot. As there, he was like kind of hinted that he's kind of up, been upset with Rob Palinka and them not doing anything at the trade deadline, especially since they were very much pressured to by fans to do that. They're like, yo, yo, you need to get a Russell Westbrook, things like you need to go try to get John Wall or I don't know whose dumb self said that because I think you'd just be giving up more for John Wall, and John Wall hasn't really been playing. I think you would have been better off keeping Russell Westbrook. But there is that whole thing that he's not necessarily happy with it and everything like that because this season has been trash. They are below 500. It's not where anyone expected them to be when you knew the geatric teams coming together in the summer. Every Everyone thought, like, yo, you got, you got Melo, you got Russ, you got Braun, you got AD. Who's stopping this team? You got Trevor Reza on the bench along with Carmelo Anthony. Everyone thought like, yo, it's going to be them and the Nets in the finals. And so far, neither of that is coming true for either teams. So, like I said earlier, this is when this is when stuff starts hitting the fan. This is when things need to hurry up. Like, everyone, like, the sure, the records of everybody before the All-Star break, they are what they are. But now the second half of the season, that's when people start playing their best ball just a step below playoff basketball. That's when everyone shows up. And I think that the Lakers, they still have a chance, everybody. All the Lakers fans who are probably yelling at me think I'm going to trash your team, I'm not. You still have a chance. Your biggest problem was necessarily trying to get Russell Westbrook, Russell to play better. And he has. Like, no one expected Russ to play this bad this year. Like, you're you're getting the walking triple-double. You're getting, like... Uh, 75, like one of the top 75 players in the league. You you know what you, you were expecting to get something different. But this is a trend that we've seen from Russell Westbrook in the first half of the season in new teams. He did it. He did it with the Houston Rockets. He did it with uh, the Washington Wizards, and he's doing it here. But this one is just 
just seems a little bit worse. So now you got to see what's really going to happen, especially since you won't have AD for who knows how long at this point. So they still got a chance. I think they're just outside the play-in game, if not, you know, in the play-in game. It's still really, really rough. But Sophie, I want to ask you a quick thing because we all we all thought the the like the Lakers they were gonna be you know top seed in the West, take the whole thing more than likely be, and if not the Western Conference, like if not NBA Finals, the Western Conference Finals. So who do you think kind of takes that helm away from them now that the Lakers have been kind of a disappointment? Yeah, so um, I'm not sure what team I see coming in the most. Um, I don't follow the NBA super closely, so I'm not really sure who I see taking away from the Lakers, but. Um, Going back to that LeBron thing real quick, I think uh, LeBron, it it is what it is at this point, you know, and I think it, it's great that he airs his concerns about the front office. You know, we see that in all sports, and sometimes you just get fed up with that. But um, at this point, there's nothing they can do about it. You know, I know the Lakers are frustrated, but it's not going to help to just gripe about it and gripe about it and say, I wish they would have done this or I wish I w- they would have done that at the All-Star break. Um, they just need to play. They need to grind. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, Russ is coming back a little bit. It was bad. It was so bad for a while, but yikes. hopefully he comes back. He's not shooting those bricks as much as he was. It was ugly. Um, but I think they can grind. They can get back to it, but they need to put their heads down and play. They don't need to worry about anything on the outside. They need to come together as a team and just play some basketball, and that's what's going to take them to the postseason. Most definitely. And I like, like I said, I'm confident that they can get in the postseason. I know it didn't really work well with LeBron playing GM this season. So, you know, they learn from that. He'll be a free agent. Other guys will be free agents, and there's still, there are still trades that can happen. I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. If they don't end up winning the NBA title, oh, well, it's a hard thing to win. Now it, there's a possibility that um, Golden State Warriors will take that helm because they have they got Klay Thompson back. That was the biggest piece missing. They're going to have uh, Draymond Green back, and they're going to have their – they think their third overall pick from the 2020 draft or 2021 draft, one of them, and James Wiseman. So he's coming back as well. So right now they are looking stacked. And then on the other side you have in the East with Brooklyn, another team that we thought was going to also meet the meet the Lakers in the NBA Finals. They're looking real rough because you had that whole thing with Kyrie Irving with him not wanting to be vaccinated and him not being able to play in New York which now I don't know how they're going to change that because when y'all get to the playoffs, and I still think that they will, are you just going to just gonna have them play only at the away games? and just Because if y'all end up losing at home, and then be like, dang, what could have happened if we had Kyrie? There's, there's going to be that whole looming question. But now they got Ben Simmons in the trade. They required uh, with James Harden and Ben Simmons, James Harden going to the Philadelphia 76ers. So they have they have that. It's still cool. They got Seth Curry, another shooter. So Ben Simmons doesn't even have to shoot the ball anywhere outside of the paint. So good for him. He he can he can only the only thing that can stop him is if he weenies out again. That's that's pretty much the worst thing that can happen with this team. Because now after losing ten out of like their last thirteen games, which is an awful ratio, they're they're getting something back. So they'll definitely improve in the second half of the season themselves. It's just. We don't know. It's this is, seems the just untypical NBA season. You don't necessarily have that one team who's just running it up every time, like the Golden State Warriors was the few years ago, or like the Cavs doing a few years ago. 
in the East and things like that. So it's going to be a huge scene to start looking at. And we're going to look even more NBA stuff when the time comes. Thank you guys for coming in. I am Jasmine Halliburton. I was joined by Sophie Dilly today. You can follow me on Twitter at jayswitit. That is J-A-Y-S-W-I-T-IT with the number two. Follow me on social media. And please tune back in every Monday from 6 to 7 here on Wildcat 91.9.